I invite you to Matthew 19. We're going to look at just three verses in Matthew today. But when you find Matthew 19, if you would go ahead and uh, place a marker in 1 Corinthians 7 and also in Isaiah 56. We'll look at a few verses in 1 Corinthians 7 and then we'll go over to Isaiah 56, look at a couple of verses as part of our study today on this passage. Matthew 19, and we're going to be looking at verses 10, 10 through 12. So I'm reading from the English Standard Version, and if you do not have a Bible of your own, we have Bibles in our lobby here and in our overflow, and we would love for you to pick up a copy today as our gift to you. If you're able, would you please stand in honor of the Scripture in the reading of this passage. The disciples said to him, If such is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. But he said to them, Not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who have been made so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this, receive it. Thank you. Singleness for the sake of the kingdom. Singleness for the sake of the kingdom. I don't know my life in church, and I may have stirred one or two. So uh, this is really a privilege for us to be able to spend our time this, in this passage looking and addressing this group of adults who make up part of our church, are part of our family here at Grassy Pond Baptist Church. Let's pray together, ask the Lord to help us. Father, we, we have sung the words this morning that as far as we are concerned, and it's singing the words of the psalm, we're, we're singing Scripture, but we are declaring that we are in agreement with Scripture and the psalmist who says, There's, it's better to be one day in your courts, it's better to be one day in your house than a thousand days anywhere else. And so, Father, we pray that that's more than just uh, words that kind of fall off the end of our tongues. We ask, God, that that heart for you and that heart for communion with you and the worship of you and the fellowship of the saints and the union that we have in Christ, the glory and the love that we share within the fellowship of the Godhead, that that would truly be the desire and the sincere declaration of our hearts. And, Lord, we... We would all confess, myself included, that it's simply not the case. Most days it's simply not the case. 
And so we, we first of all, just confess from what we've already sang that we sang something that's probably not true for us. It, it is Scripture, and so it is our desire. And so we ask you, God, to, to really revive us and renew us today. We're here together. We're in worship. We're gathered in your name. We're, we're coming around your word. We're seeking you in prayer, and we are asking that your grace might be alive and well and working, that your word might powerfully, actively transform us and conform us to the image of Christ, that your spirit, God, might freely move and have your will and your way in our lives. That all of us, we know we are, we are addressing the issue of being single, the single life, but we are in Scripture and we are in worship and therefore the Spirit's going to be making applications in all kinds of ways for all of us. So I pray that, Father, none of us would check out, and, but we would all be engaged and we would all be participating and actively listening and applying and seeking the Spirit's direction in our lives. And we pray for our singles today. That, Lord, you would so work and move in their hearts and lives that they would see that you have a calling and you have a purpose for either this phase of life, this stage of life that they are in, or either this lifetime pursuit that you have given them. And that if that be the case, if they find themselves as a single today, they don't find themselves in a, in a, a go-between place or in a happenstance place or in a place that doesn't fit, a place that doesn't work, a place that's kind of a go-between. They find themselves right in the middle of your plan and your purpose for their lives and for the kingdom. That what you have for them right here, right now, in their single adulthood is just as much a part of the work of the kingdom of God as anyone else in the church. We need our singles alive to you, vibrant and on fire for you. We need to be encouraging them and equipping them and blazing the trail ahead of them and for them and behind them So we pray today that our singles would be encouraged and they would be equipped and they would be called to to where you have them and what you have for them in the days in which they live as a single. We ask all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Now, single adulthood can often be a challenging time in life, especially spiritually along with navigating educational choices and vocational careers there's there's often a longing a natural longing a given longing for marriage particularly for some singles who you may feel like well you've 
you graduated high school or you graduated college and all of a sudden all of your friends started getting married and, and then here you are and you still find yourself single and, and it becomes a troubling, discouraging time of life. You feel like that third wheel. And you also have to endure all those little hints from grandparents. Parents, why aren't you dating? Why aren't you married yet? Where are my grandchildren? All of those little things, little jokes, and others, of course, that are never really helpful if you're already feeling like you're not where you want to be or that time is getting away from you or life is getting away from you. And, and so there's a loneliness that can be truly felt inside, and there's pressure from outside that can rob you as a single adult of the joy that God has reserved especially for single adulthood. Because we're basing the value of our life on things other than Scripture and on things other than what God has designed for us. So anytime we do that, single or not, we're, we're bound to be anxious, we're bound to be discouraged, we're bound to be depressed, we're bound to feel like we don't fit in, we're not contributing, our life is not much, we don't have much value because we don't have this. And whatever this is, is something other than what the Bible says it ought to be, which is God. There can be an overwhelming temptation to loosen your purity commitments in single adult life. To give up on keeping yourself holy, on keeping your sexuality holy before God. You can get tired of waiting, not see the value in it. Singles can feel a, a reluctant pressure to, to also lower their standards in dating. Well, I'm, I'm never going to get married if I, if I keep on looking for this guy. And what they mean by this guy, if they're in the church, what they mean by this guy is a guy that's 110% sold out to the Lord. Hopefully, that's what they mean. But I'm never going to meet that guy. That guy doesn't live out there. That guy doesn't exist. I've been on all the dating apps and uh, all of my friends are married already. And, and this is just not going to happen. So I'm going to have to lower my standard for dating. And then I'm going to have to lower my standard for marriage just to get it done. Just to get it done. To get rid of all this that I'm going through and all this that I'm feeling. And so the idea of marriage becomes the goal of life, becomes the epitome of life. And the pursuit of marriage at all costs replaces the pursuit of God at all costs. And sadly, singles, singleness can often feel a little out of place in church, which is really sad, isn't it? Well, they've got, they've got this going on for the children. They've got this going on for the youth. They've got this going on for the young couples. The golden agers are doing this. What am I supposed to do? That, that's a failure on the church's part in many ways, a failure of teaching what the entire body of Christ is, a failure of compartmentalizing every single thing that we do, which you don't find in the New Testament, by the way. That leaves kind of you feeling out of place, no, no, no ministry for you, no place for you. 
churches tend to move straight from youth ministry and emphasis on youth ministry to an emphasis on couples, married couples ministry without really a focus or an opportunity or a practice or a teaching that vibrantly involves singles in all of the life of the entire church. That there's, there's always a place for singles because there's always a place for everybody because everybody's serving. Everybody's worshiping together. Everybody's serving one another. Everybody's involved. Society, too, Society has a, a pressure valve on singles to marry or, or not marry, just to cohabitate. And the church, sadly, often singles who plan to marry often allow engagement to become their excuse for sin, to live in sin before marriage. We're going to get married anyway, so why not? Which becomes our way of looking at relationships and sexuality and commitment and not God's way. And when it's our way and not God's way, it's always sin. (laughs) It's always sin. It's never good. It never works. In the long term, it never is helpful and profitable. So you put all this together in the church, even with the church, when we rightly emphasize marriage, and we rightly emphasize marriage, as the Scripture does, we often then neglect God's purpose for singles. So you put all this together, and singleness can often feel like a no-man's land. But that couldn't be farther from the truth. It couldn't be farther from God's purpose for either your phase of single life or your lifetime of singleness. And Jesus addresses singleness here in Matthew 19, and and Paul addresses it in 1 Corinthians 7. We'll go there in just a little bit. Isaiah addresses it in Isaiah 56. We'll go there in just a little bit. We'll look at all of those passages today. So for all of our singles today, this sermon is specifically for you. You've sat through a lot of sermons that you felt like, well, this has nothing to do with me. I mean, we've just went through uh, uh, two Sundays of preaching on marriage, and you might have thought, well, this kind of leaves me out. Well, you're not left out today. You're not left out today. Jesus is addressing this right here in our text, your situation in life, exactly where you are. Imagine that. The Word of God is precisely addressing exactly where you are. This is for you. The first thing we see in our text today is the disciples kind of stumble into Jesus' teaching on singleness. In verse 10, the disciples have just heard Jesus' teaching on marriage. And remember, Jesus takes us back to creation. He takes us back to Genesis 1. And he tells us that the way God has designed and established marriage, the two become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but they're one. So what God has put together, man is not to separate. 
And that's his teaching on marriage. And he goes further when he's pressed. He goes further and say, if, if, if in, the, in the preceding verse, in verse 9, I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. And so the disciples, sadly, have been so accustomed to the world's view of marriage, which, remember, was a few verses earlier when the, when the, um, the Pharisees came around to Jesus and said, is it lawful to divorce, to divorce one's wife for any cause? And so the disciples, they're so accustomed to a low view of marriage, which results in uh, open season for divorce... When Jesus addresses what marriage truly is, what it truly means, what it truly represents, they are overwhelmed. As we've often said, when we've been studying these passages on marriage in Matthew 19 and the discussion on divorce, there really is nothing new under the sun. These ideas and these struggles and these issues have kind of always been around because sinners have kind of always been around. And the sad truth is that those in the church often view and, and practice marriage more like the world. We often get our, our, our guideline and our destruction and our, and our instruction, our view of things from the world. Our ideas, our reasonings, our justifications for why we don't abide by God's way. Why we don't honor and glorify God with our lives and with our marriages and with our sexuality by pattering our lives after the world and using all of the reasons the world has for not honoring and glorifying and worshiping the Lord with our lives. Not understanding that the reason why God has a way for marriage and a way for sexuality and and, and a way for singles and a way for married couples is because God's good design and purpose. It's actually good for us, better for us, God's way. So the disciples must have reason if adultery is the only grounds for divorce and divorcing for any other reason leads to an adulterous marriage, then it's better not to marry. At least you won't, at least you won't have to be stuck in a miserable marriage with a wife who can't cook. You won't have to worry about that if you just don't get married. At least you won't have to face the issue of adultery. Well, am I going to stay married or am I going to become an adulterer? Am I going to stay single or am I going to become an adulterer? The tragedy of the disciples' reasoning here is really twofold, isn't it? First, they've totally overlooked in their question, in their statement to Jesus, they've, they've totally overlooked the possibility that if a husband pursues God's way and a wife pursues God's way, if they pursue a lifelong two are now one kind of love holding fast to one another, then marriage can be all of the joy and all of the fulfillment and completeness and demonstration of the gospel and glory to God that he intended it to be. That's why he designed it the way he did in Genesis and declared it was what it was in Genesis. It was good 
God said, it's good. They have focused on what can go wrong in marriage and forgotten that putting God first results in everything that can be right in marriage and everything that can be right about marriage. Their focus is on approaching marriage their way instead of God's way. And if I can't have marriage my way, then I just won't have it at all. That's where they're at. And these are disciples. That's a tragedy. That's a tragedy because it totally misses The reason why God designs things the way he does and issues commands the way he does is for our greater good and joy, not to take things from us, not to keep joy and happiness from us, but to keep the greatest joy and happiness for us. That's the first way this is tragic reasoning. The second reason is because... Not only considering marriage, well, that's just not a risk worth taking. I mean, you're just going to get in a lot of trouble if you get married, if that's what marriage is all about. But it's also failing to consider that singleness is not secondary status of living. Because this is the kind of the implication of what they're saying. That singleness is something less God has a good design and purpose for marriage, and God has a good design and purpose for singles and singleness. One is not better than the other or more spiritually superior than the other or more fulfilling than the other if both are viewed and embraced from God's perspective. If singleness is lived to the glory of God, It is just as spiritually fulfilling, life-fulfilling as marriage lived to the glory of God. And that's exactly where Jesus takes the disciples. Now, they brought up singleness kind of as an escape from marriage or a, even a slight on God's standard of marriage. They they've brought up singleness as kind of a byproduct of not being able to look at marriage the way they want to look at marriage and practice it the way they want to practice it. So the default is singleness. And Jesus is saying, no, that's not the default. You, you've missed marriage and now you've missed singleness. God has a view and a design and a purpose for singleness as well. And that's where Jesus begins to take us in verses 11 and 12. The single life can be a gift from God. The single life can be a gift from God. Verse 11, Jesus says, Not everyone can receive this. In other words, he's telling the disciples... Well, you're actually actually saying more than you think you're saying. Not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. It is given. And when he says it is given, that means it's using that terminology. It means it's being given from God. 
Not, not everyone can embrace the single life, and not everyone is supposed to embrace the single life. God's not called everyone to be single, but God has called some to be single. God's not called everyone to, to marry as soon as you graduate or marry before you graduate, but God has called some, and God has called some to be single for a period of time. God has a calling and a purpose and a design in, in every phase and stage of our lives. But God has gifted some to be single for a lifetime. And when that occurs, when, when someone senses that God has a plan and a purpose for his or her life that's beyond marriage, that's so that, that, that God has a, a, a path for their life that's so uniquely fit for the kingdom of God that it requires a single-hearted devotion to God. For this work in the kingdom at this time, in this place. When a person senses that, that is a special calling. That, that is a gift. That is a, a grace from God. God means for some of his children to be totally his and without the restraints and obligations of marriage. Sometimes the, sometimes the church has mistaught as everyone can receive it, but those to whom it is is given God has designed and purposed for some to live a life of singleness for the sake of the kingdom when the single believer feels compelled to spend every ounce of their life for the kingdom, to give their hearts full attention to God and not another, God is up to something special in that life because he's up to something special in the kingdom that requires that special life to fulfill it, to accomplish it. There is a purpose and there is a design to whom it is given and then in verse 12, Jesus identifies three categories of, of singles that they would be familiar with in their day using the term eunuch. Now, we understand eunuch is one who is unable to have children, and so marriage then becomes unlikely for the eunuch. And the first group are those who have some type of birth defect that prevents them from having children. The second group were usually men who were forcibly castrated in order to serve in a, in a king's harem. They're made that way by men. And the third group, however, are not true eunuchs. Jesus is, not, um, Jesus is, is, is now using this term in a figurative sense. These people freely and willingly choose a life of singleness that they may give their all for the kingdom of God. These are, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs. So there are people who are not going to get married who have decided themselves to be people who are not going to get married for the sake of the kingdom. There's something that outweighed marriage. It was the kingdom. There's something that outfulfilled their heart, that overflowed their heart more than marriage could. It was the kingdom. 
of God. Singleness for the sake of the kingdom. Now, that's the gift that Jesus referred to in verse 11. Not everyone can receive it, but to those to whom it is given. There are these singles, and there are these singles. There are these singles. These didn't really have a choice in their singleness. These did, and they chose it for the kingdom. That was given to them. People that say, I'm going to spend the rest of my days with, 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 with no restraints and no other obligations and no responsibilities. I'm going to spend my life for the kingdom of God. That's given to them. That's a grace from God. Not everyone's called to it. Some are. And when they are, the church should celebrate it, encourage it, equip it. Celebrate it and not make this person feel like a secondary citizen in the kingdom of heaven because they're not married. And singles who, are, who, who, who will be married one day, who doesn't feel this calling, but they're single now and are living their singleness for the kingdom of God, the church should be encouraging that, uh, uh, applauding that, Helping that, assisting that, challenging that. In other words, Jesus is saying there are a select few that find in God a treasure so fulfilling they can't imagine a life tied down to marital obligation and responsibility. Because they've just got so much to do for Christ. In our day, some choose to stay single for career sake and put off marriage and having children as long as possible, only to find that marriage is not that easy and having children might not be that easy. It might not be something that actually fits along your timetable. Careers can often become our God, and then we miss God's best. We miss God's best for our singleness. We miss God's best for our marriage, for our families, when career becomes the number one driver in our life. Singles, that's a temptation for you, for career, as important as it is, to become the number one driver in your life. When that happens, we call those things gods. We call those things idolatry. We call that sin. Don't let it be that way. Find out, pray, seek God's will, and chase after what God has called and gifted you, what you enjoy doing, where God has called you to live your life, work your life. Do do it all to the glory of God. Not to the glory of yourself, not to the glory of your status, not to the glory of your portfolio, to the glory of God. Keep it in right perspective. Some choose to remain single as long as possible in order to have as many immoral relations as they can have before they decide to attach what they view as marriage as the ball and chain. And that view of sexuality and marriage never makes a good, godly, joy-filled 
marriage. If you go into marriage with that view, you're going into it with the end of it already in sight. But then there are some who understand that singleness is actually a gift from God. That God has this period of your life or this lifetime of your life that he has given you. And it frees you. you. It frees you to pursue him with all the joy of reckless abandon and risk-taking for the kingdom and unrestraint and obligation and ability and freedom to pursue and go and do and spend and be whatever God opens the door for you to do and go and spend and be for the kingdom. What an opportunity. What a window in your life or life. Maybe it's just for a period of time. You may marry one day, but this day, right here and now, you are single. It's a gift. It's not a burden. If you view your life right now as a burden, Somebody else put that on your shoulder. It might have been the church, might have been your parents, might have been yourself, might have been your friends, but somebody other than God put that on your shoulder. It's not a burden, it's a gift. You have the opportunity to do more now, the freedom to do more now for the kingdom of God than you ever will. Because next time that opportunity rolls around and you're married, you've got to work through a checklist of items before you can find out if you're going to be able to do that that you would really like to do. Maybe it's for a lifetime. Maybe it's after a marriage ends. We through death or even divorce. There may be some singles who are with us who are single because their spouse has passed away or because they've been divorced. And this whole sermon seems to be geared to those who are college age or or just a little bit older. But singleness is singleness. God still has a purpose. Whether you're 50 or 60 or 70, God still has a purpose for where you are and why you are where you are right here, right now, useful for a time, but you're not useful anymore, so just kind of coast through. Do the best you can. No, it's a, it's a gift. And some of you are coming to the real heart, and hopefully even through studying these scriptures today, and you know God has grabbed your heart, and you know you've grabbed or compare. Not even marriage could Replace the love and the thrill and the completeness that you have in the Lord. And so again, the single life can be a gift from God. Verse 12, the singular devotion of the single life. Here's why. So Jesus says, let the one who is able to receive this. So he's, not, he's, he's saying this is, not, this is not for everybody to be single for your entire lifetime for the kingdom of God, but let the one who is able to receive this receive it because it's a gift. The singular devotion of the single life for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. 
The single person has the opportunity to invest more in the kingdom of God, to pursue God without restraint, to follow God wherever he leads, to enjoy God's companionship far more than the married adult. Don't waste your singleness just chasing marriage. Spend your singleness chasing God. He'll work out the marriage. He brought Eve to Adam. He's sovereign over that too. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Verses 6 and 7. Paul in chapter 7 is addressing people who are in all kinds of stages of life and phases of marriage. And he says in verse 6, now, now as a concession, not a command, I say this, verse 7, I wish that all were as I myself am. What he means by that is single. I wish that all were single because we could really get so much done for the kingdom. I wish that all could. Now, that's, he's saying that's not a command. That's just, that would really be awesome. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. In other, in other words, Paul is saying exactly what Jesus is saying, right? But not everyone's gifted to be like I am. But some are. That's, all, that's exactly what Jesus says, to whom it is given for the sake of the kingdom. So Paul and Jesus are teaching the same thing there on singleness for a lifetime for the sake of the kingdom. Now look at verses 32. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 32. And Paul gives the reasoning why he says, I wish, I wish everyone was like I was. Singular devotion to the Lord. He says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or the unbetrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. The married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. Now, I say this to your own benefit, not to lay, not to lay any restraint upon you. In other words, I'm not forcing you to be single. That's, that's not what I'm happening, is happening, but, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. In other words, he's saying there is, there is a singular devotion for the single life that is unhindered. That is obligation and fulfilling, thrilling, joyful life when it is lived in singular devotion. It can be lived rather than lived in a despondency for not being married. It can be lived in a thrilling devotion. And by the way, Jesus, all to yourself. And by the way, Jesus was single. And his life was not any less 
rewarding or fulfilling. By the way, as we've just said, Paul was single. And from his testimony, his life was not any less rewarding or fulfilling. Lottie Moon, single, and blazed a trail for missions that still exist today. Corey Timboon, single, rescued Jews in, in Nazi Germany. Special time, special fit. Special purpose for the kingdom of God. Single. A lot accomplished. Those singles who have a a singular devotion to Christ are like that man Jesus spoke of in, in Matthew 13, 44. They have found a treasure and it's worth everything. Remember that guy in chapter 13? He, he goes, he finds a treasure in a field, and he goes and he sells everything he has to buy that field because that treasure is worth everything else that he had. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. They are like those disciples who leave everything to follow Christ because nothing compares to what they have found in the Lord. So we can say this, at least, don't waste your singleness. Don't waste your singleness. It's not a no-man's land. It's not an in-between space. It's designed and purposed and given by God for this time or for a lifetime. Don't waste it. Don't let it slip away without knowing the joy of living for eternal treasure that never fades rather than earthly treasure that never lasts. Whatever you are living for other than the Lord will not last. There are three ways that we can waste our singleness. Number one, we can settle for temporary fun and miss eternal joy. If you spend every moment of your free time and every free dollar on going and doing and getting and splurging, and binging, and this place, and that place, and this, and that, and done, then the years of your fruitful service to God will absolutely waste away. In Luke 12, Jesus gives a parable about a rich fool. And his assessment of that parable is, you can either be rich toward yourself, or you can be rich toward God. You can live every moment of your life for yourself or you can live your life for God. There's nothing wrong with having fun. Everyone loves to have fun. Don't let it be your idol. Same as the career. Don't let it be your idol. The second way we can waste our singleness is we can can settle for finding satisfaction in what we want to do or what we want to have rather than in our creator and savior and Lord. Are you totally satisfied so much so in the Lord Jesus Christ that if you don't get what you want, if you don't have what you want, your life is still fulfilled? 
Don't squeeze out every part of your single life only seeking to advance your life, only seeking to pursue your dream unless your dream is God's dream for your life. Then run at it with as much gusto that you have. It's not going to take this thing. But if you lose your life for my sake, if you give it up for my sake, this includes single adulthood. Jesus says you will find it. You will find life beyond your imagination if you just give it to me. And the third way we can waste our singleness, we can waste our singleness by just seeing this season of our life as our time to do whatever we want to, live however we want to, sin as much as we want to, and one of these days when we get married, we'll settle down, we'll straighten up, we'll come to church, we'll live right. That won't happen. You don't decide when you're going to sin and when you're going to live for God as if being in the kingdom is all up to your timetable. Don't waste your singleness. In your single days and, and in your single life, you have a gift from God. And that gift is that you can give yourself and your life completely to him and advance the gospel and the things of eternity. Ground yourself. That they, they will come a time, if you're not going to be single all your life, there will come a time when you are busy beyond your imagination. You think that that college schedule keeps you busy. You just wait until the day that there's, there's family, there's children, there's obligations, there's jobs, there's this and that. And you're trying your best as a believer to squeeze in that time to spend with God every day. You think it's hard now to, to find time for God when you got that 10 o'clock class? Do it now. Quit sitting back. What are you waiting for? What's consumed your life and your heart so much that, that you're not driving 100% for God who is your greatest joy, who is your greatest treasure? What's wrapped up all of your time and all of your energy and 100% of your devotion and your heart? You can do more. You can do more beyond your imagination with what you have right now because it's a gift. So you say, well, yeah, but is it really worth it though? If I give my singleness 100% to God... And if I don't waste it away like all of my friends are doing, because they really seem to be living it up. I mean, just look at their post on social media. I mean, they, their life, man, they're living the life. And I, I want to do that. I want to have that. I want to go there. I want to be that. And all of those things, as happy as they may be, come to an end and keep us from the greatest happiness possible 
which is the treasure of Christ. Is it really worth it? Well, let's look at Isaiah 56. Isaiah 56. Verses 4 and 5. For thus says the Lord. To the eunuchs. Who keep my Sabbaths. That's to the singles. Who are devoted to me. Who choose the things that please the things that please me not the things that please others not the things that please themselves the things that please me and hold fast my covenant that means the the greatest thing they got in their life is their relationship with God so they're holding fast to that above everything else in my I will give in my house than sons and daughters. That's God's word to your singleness. I've got something in store for you that's better than sons and daughters. And I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. You give your life to the Lord in singleness and what awaits for you from God, not only in this life, but in the life to come, is absolutely beyond compare. I'm reminded of that rich young ruler. He was a young guy. He was rich. He had a conversation with Jesus. What can I do to have eternal life? Jesus had a discussion with him. It finally boiled down to this. Jesus said this. Here's what you do. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor. And come follow me. In other words, it's what we're saying about this single life for the sake of the kingdom. Let everything else go. All that stuff you love. All those toys. All that worldly pleasure. All that temporary stuff. Let it all go and come follow me. And then listen to what Jesus said. And I will give you treasure in heaven. You catch that? In other words, Jesus says, I'll give you something that is far beyond anything you have and give to me. Treasure in heaven. I've got something. Give, give what you've got away. Give what's distracting you away. Give what you're, t- you're devoted to besides me. Give that away. Get it out of your life because I've got something better. I've got treasure in heaven for you. Come follow me. And that's a sad story, isn't it? Because that rich young ruler put his head down and walked away. Because he was just convinced that what he had must be better. Singles, listen to me today. God says, I will give you something better. Your singleness for a little while or for a lifetime, it's not a no man's land 
It's not an in-between. Don't waste it. It's a gift. Invest it with everything you've got for the sake of the kingdom. You won't regret it. If you waste your singleness, I'll make you this promise. Write it down, mark it down, highlight it, do whatever you want to with it. But I make you this promise. If you waste your singleness, there will come a day you'll regret it. If you don't waste your singleness, you'll never regret it. Let's pray. Father, we've used the term singleness all sermon long, but the truth of the matter is we can all waste our life. And in one way or another, we do waste our life. Instead of investing it and giving it and spending it for your glory and finding in you a greater treasure and a greater joy than this world can give. So yes, we pray for your work among our singles today that they would be singularly devoted to you and see this time in their life or this life that you have given them as a gift from you and then spend it with zeal for your glory. Yes, that's what we desire for every one of our singles to not waste another moment of their singleness in things that don't last. But that's also for us who are high schoolers, middle schoolers, adults, that we're not wasting our lives either because you have something for us that's so much better. Cleanse us today and convict us of our sin and of our laziness and of our apathy and of our distractions and of all the things that are keeping our lives cluttered from you and your glory. May we all, Father, be drawn to you by your spirit, by your word, in faith, in particular, specific ways in our lives that we will never regret. It's in Christ's name I do pray. Amen. You have been listening to the sermon ministry of Will Owens, pastor of Grassy Pond Baptist Church, Gaffley, South Carolina. Be sure to visit willowens.com to hear more sermons, read blogs, and learn more about the missions branch, P67 Missions. Again, thank you for listening to Will Owens.